Welcome to the Clear Admit MBA Admissions Podcast. I'm Graham Richmond, and I'm with co-host Alex Brown today for a special edition of the podcast, which is focused exclusively on the Wharton Admissions Interview, the Wharton Interview, which is actually more commonly known as the Wharton Team-Based Discussion, is unlike almost any other admissions interview, and this is why we're going to devote a special episode um, to just talking about Wharton's interview process only. Um, and in this episode, we're going to try to set out to tell you everything you need to know to be successful in your Wharton TBD. And that means we're going to tackle you know, the history of the TBD, why Wharton uses it, how you can prepare, how you might want to perform during the TBD, and what this year's TBD prompt is and how to think about it as you get ready. Um, so Alex, um, are you there on the line here with me? Yes, let's kick on. All right, this sounds great. So, um, yeah, you you know, I think what we're going to do is you're going to kind of walk us through, and I'll I'll try to um, provide some insights, and I'm hoping you'll add color commentary too. But this is going to be fun. Yeah, no, no doubt. So I'm basically going to fire the questions to you, Graham, and then yeah, we'll we'll kick on from there. So I'll um, basically straight out the, the 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 gate, Graham. What is the Wharton TBD or the VTBD, as I think we're calling it? Yeah. <laughs> yes, the virtual team-based discussion, because, uh, you know, it's a team interview with a number of students or applicants um, at once, but it used to be in person, and now it's all done with Zoom or, or whatever platform they're using. I think it is Zoom. But um, so it's basically, you know, the, the school used to do, well, when you were there, right, the school did resume-based kind of blind interviews, and they used admissions officers or alumni um, and even current students to conduct those interviews. And then in 2012, they kind of shook the industry with this introduction of something called the team-based discussion, where they put you with anywhere from four to five other applicants, and they give you kind of an assignment in advance, a topic to think about and to come to the discussion with some you know, ideas for, and you're basically you know, put in a room or a virtual environment now um, and asked to kind of present your initial thoughts and then... Um, go through a sort of discussion and work as a team to come up with a sort of um, finished product or, you know, kind of idea um, to, to show to the observer, um, which is basically an admissions representative who's kind of supervising this process. Um, so it's a, it's a definitely different style. I mean, it's nothing, I can't think of anything out there that's super similar. I mean, Michigan Ross does or used to do some sort of team-based exercises. And I know IMD in Switzerland also does some team-based things, but you know, this is a, a big, one of the bigger schools that's doing this. And I think it, it's a little bit of a curveball for most applicants. I think it's safe to say, really, top schools have not followed Wharton's lead in this regard. No. And, you know, it's funny, um, this, I don't know if you know from your time at Wharton, uh, this fairly well-known professor, Carl Ulrich, who's an operations professor and a vice dean at Wharton. But this was kind of his idea as a better way to understand how candidates behave and, and, you know, how they would behave as future students in a Wharton learning team setting. So, yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting thing. I mean, there's all this sort of background to it, but I think for most of our listeners, they probably know that Wharton has, you know, there's, I guess, what is it, 800 plus, 860 or so students in a class, and they, they divide the class up into these things called clusters, which are about 200 and some students. And then there's even a smaller unit of measurement, which is the cohort which are 70 students with which you travel through the entire core curriculum. Um, and so you really get to know your cohort well. But the building block for the entire class is this thing called a learning team at Wharton. 
And it just so happens that learning teams have five or six individuals, uh, all from different backgrounds. And you do all your homework together, all your kind of team assignments. And I think what Wharton's trying to do and what they've actually gone out and said when they talk about this process is they're trying to give the applicant a little bit of a taste of like, what is it like to be on a Wharton learning team? Um, so yeah, so that's where this all comes from. It's almost 10 years old now. <laughs> so, so, so what you're saying, Graham, pun intended, <laughs> Wharton is trying to simulate a learning team conversation. Yes, and it's, good, it's a good word because this year's <laughs> TBD discussion is going to be about simulations and virtual reality and or kind of virtual uh, you know, courses and things. So we're going to get into that, but yeah, it's crazy. But I know, Graham, <laughs> you're not a big fan of this simulation. Yeah, so it's funny. We get accused, right, from time to time of being real, like, Wharton homers um, because both of us worked there. I have an MBA from the school, so we, we love Wharton. But I'm not, yeah, I, I actually have never been a huge fan of this process. And I think, um, yeah, it's it just, I get what they're trying to do, but I wonder, you know, you think about sort of game theory and how <laughs> how people work in a competitive admissions process, and I would argue that this simulation is maybe not as real world as it could be. Cause I don't remember ever really feeling like I was competing with my learning teammates for anything. You know, we were working together to achieve a goal. And, you know, in this process, we know that only two of the six people in any given team based discussion are likely to get in. If you look at the admission statistics, um, obviously it doesn't work that way. It's not like they take each team based interview and, and say, Oh, you know, these are the two that we're taking and the four are rejected, but overall, that's the rough percentage. So it's a little, it's not as though you really are doing a team-based exercise with your classmates or future classmates, because only a couple of them might actually be your future classmates. Yeah, no, I think, yeah, the, 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 the dynamic is definitely going to be different. The, the incentives, the goals aren't necessarily aligned. Like you say, they are in a, in a team-based, um, in a learning team environment where all your goals are aligned to be successful and help each other and so on and so forth. That all being said, Graham, this is the process that Wharton has adopted. I'm going to ask you a, a, a couple of sort of bigger picture questions and then we'll sort of tackle the sort of the tactics as, as it were yeah. um, and so forth. Um, the learning, the, the team-based discussion two years ago and prior to that was obviously in person, either on campus or in, in locations around the world. And we used to have long conversations about the dynamic of that and making those choices. Yeah. Last season and this season, they're virtual. Right. So what one or two things do you think makes this experience different in a virtual setting versus if it was in an in-person environment? Well, I think, I mean, there are a few things that jump out at me. One is maybe it's a little harder to build rapport. You don't get to sort of show up early and hang around in a waiting room physically, like with each person that might be, um, you know, doing your team-based discussion. I also think, um, you know, it just, you got, there's sort of technology issues that you got to keep in mind. And, and some people may have better internet connections than others. And, and there's some stress around that. Um, I guess if I'm thinking of positives, I will say that one thing I like about it is that I'm guessing that the groups are probably more diverse and more representative of an actual learning team at Wharton now than they used to be. Because if you think about it, the Wharton team-based discussions that took place at hubs, you know, in Mumbai or Tokyo or London 
were probably dominated by people from those regions. I mean, you're not going to travel across the world to do your team-based discussion. You do it in market. And so what you ended up having, you know, in these discussions would be a kind of a, a sort of very samey group. And so what I like about the virtual, you know, is that it allows the school to, you know, kind of open it up and, you know, you might have some people from all around the world. I mean, time zones, you got to keep the time zones in, in, in mind, but I think still there's a really wide range of possibilities in terms of who you could have in a discussion. And that's probably an advantage. No, absolutely. And what, one of the tips that we used to give for the in-person team-based discussions is arrive early gives you a chance to not only just settle your nerves, but also potentially meet some of the folks that you're going to be in a team-based discussion with right. um, and before you actually go into the meeting. Um, in, in, a, in a virtual setting, and I've, I've, I've looked at some of the, the interview reports from last season, Graham, um, there is still a little bit of opportunity, perhaps, if you arrive early to the Zoom meeting to have a little bit of a icebreaker conversation before kicking off. So I think that, that one of the tips that we should offer is certainly try to be early to the meeting. Would, would, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I mean, I think, you, you know, you want to be early, even if you couldn't have that icebreaking discussion, you don't want to be the one that kind of, you know, shows up last and everyone's sort of like, you know, we're sort of five minutes past the hour and everyone's nervous and waiting. And I mean, this happens in your regular work and team meetings, you know, no one likes it when someone sort of pops onto the Zoom last and everyone else is kind of twiddling their thumbs. So I think absolutely you need to be on time. And I would say early because you're right, there's some of these icebreaker type chats that could happen as you're waiting to get started. Yeah, and to the extent that you can have those icebreaker chats, I think that will really help in terms of the beginning of the team-based discussion. So, so I think that's, that's quite an important um, aspect. Why don't you, Graham, give us an overall outline in terms of how does the meeting unfold? What is the structure of the meeting? Yeah, that's a really good um, point. So I think the first thing we need to mention is if you've got an interview invitation, Wharton will send you the interview prompt in advance. Because remember, I mentioned that you're given like sort of a, um, something to think about and some ideas to bring into this discussion. So you get that in advance. And that means that you need to spend some time preparing and, and you know, be, being kind of ready to discuss. Usually the way the structure of the actual TBD is set up is there's some time given for each team member to present their thoughts. You know, often you're given like a, a couple minutes or maybe it's just a minute or so to do a kind of elevator pitch. Um, you know, so this year's prompt is about an idea you might have for a, um, you know, a kind of augmented or whatever it is, what an augmented reality course. I'm going to get the acronym wrong, but an ARC, which is a, you know, kind of simulation um, course that Wharton's, you know, kind of is doing a lot of work in that domain. And so they want you to come with ideas. And so you've got to present your ideas for what kind of a course it would be, um, what lessons you might learn from the course and what sort of simulations could take place in that course to teach you. Um, so you have to have that stuff ready and you need to be succinct and able to deliver it. That's the first part of, you know, the, the team-based discussion. Um, what's interesting though, is that after that, you're kind of instructed by the soup, by the kind of, um, what is it? The observer or, you know, the admissions representative who's, who's, who's kind of grading everyone on this to work in a group to kind of, um, get to a single recommendation, you know, so everyone's going to come into the discussion with their ideas, but you've got to somehow, um, you know, hash it all out and come up with one idea. Um, and so that's going to take time. Um, you're going to probably, you know, there might be somebody taking notes or helping to sort of facilitate. And, um, and so that's the bulk of the TBD is working to kind of 
take everyone's ideas, weigh them, um, and ideally emerge with a single proposal for a course that Wharton could offer in this new Wharton Interactive setting, um, and you know, then to present that uh, as a group to um, the, you know, the observer. So that's kind of the rough structure. I should mention, and we'll probably get into this later, that once the TBD is done, and it usually lasts about 35 minutes or so, um, you get a one-on-one -on -one interview typically with the observer. Um, and that's a whole separate process, but it's only like 10 minutes long. And it's a quick sort of check-in with you about what you thought of the TBD. And, and we can get into the details of that. But that is another piece of this. Yeah, no, very, very good. So so what you're saying, Graham, and, and, and I, I think I know this anyway, but the, the first part of the TBD, you get one minute to present your idea. And presumably then it goes in, in turn. So you've got five or six folks each individually presenting their idea. I would argue that because it's all virtual, Graham, that the need for preparation before coming to the, to, to the meeting is going to be a little bit higher. I think you will be more successful in a virtual TBD if you've really taken a deep dive and come up with this one idea and really thought long and hard about it. I know in years past we said, well, this is quite important, but, you know, you can go with the flow. But I think in a virtual setting, Graham, it might put a bit more pressure on your preliminary research. Yeah, that's fair, fair to say. Yeah, I think um, you want to come in prepared. You also, you know, I would argue you want to be really, um, demonstrate really good listening skills. And so while each individual is making their pitch, you should be paying careful attention and even, you know, making some notes. Like there's nothing wrong with jotting some things down. Um, you're on a virtual, you know, call anyway. I mean, you're, you know, it's, it's, it's a video call anyway. You can take some notes. And, and I think um, your ability to kind of um, draw upon those observations and what, you know, the notes you've recorded as you kind of listen to others could come in handy, you know, as this sort of discussion ensues. But yeah, it's, um, it's definitely, a, you know, it's an interesting exercise. I think, it, you know, that's the rough structure of it. And we'll get into some specific tips. But I, I did want to mention I think we always talk about this, but it, and it's something that I think rubs you a little bit the wrong way. But you know, the these exercises or you know the sort of assignment that's given beforehand invariably require that the applicant get to know something about Wharton, um, and you know, do a bunch of research. In this case, it's into this thing called Wharton Interactive and these arcs that they offer these um, courses. But you know, in the past, it's been. Um, other, you know, they, they, there was a thing about the Wharton Innovation Center. I mean, there, there's always something and, it, and it, it feels a little like the task is not only on the applicant to sort of engage in this team-based discussion and demonstrate their ability to be a great learning team member, but it does feel like there's almost like a little bit of a marketing exercise happening on the part of Wharton. Um, so I don't know if you want to speak to that because I know it's something that you're passionate about. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. But I don't think we need to talk about it necessarily for this podcast, but it is <laughs> a bit of a marketing exercise. I mean, lots of schools, actually, some of their essay questions are, are simply marketing exercises yeah. or, or at least one or two of them. So we understand that. But let's get back to um, this notion that you said, 
listening is super important. And because you're, again, in a virtual environment, maybe you have more opportunity to take notes and take good notes. Yeah. Um, so, so, so I think that's really important, Graham. So if I'm the third to go in terms of presenting my one minute pitch, I mean, it's what, what, one thing is key, make sure it is a minute. Yeah. Don't go long. <laughs> I mean, that's just not going to work. Right. Yeah. So you really have to prepare this minute's pitch. Um, but if I'm third to go and I like an idea from the first person and I can on the fly recognize how that's going to improve my idea, Graham, I think you should start to think about how to um, um, build and be additive rather than simply delivering the pitch that you, pre- you, you, you came to the table with. Would you say that's a fair point? Yeah, I think that's an excellent point. And I think you also underline um, you know, another element here, which is that you want your pitch to be, it's got to be a minute, it's got to be, you, know, you should have it ready. Um, but it also needs to be natural, right? So it shouldn't be, you don't want to read from a script um, and be so kind of stilted that you can adjust, as you're saying, to what you've already heard from the other people <laughs> presenting. And so you need to know what you want to talk about, but be able to talk about it in a very natural way that could be modified, as you're talking about. Um, you know, if you hear a great idea, um, we're going to get into this maybe a little bit with some of the specific tips that we're going to offer, but I feel like building off of someone else's ideas or or um, demonstrating the ability to recognize a good idea and to support a quote teammate um, is a great trait to exhibit um, in this exercise. So, um, absolutely great advice. So let, let's get get into the next portion of this the, this um, team based discussion. So, each of the e- each of your your teammates has presented their idea. You've presented your idea. Now you're going to go into a period where you need to coalesce these ideas and come up with one recommendation. Um, is it important for the team to select my idea, Graham? <laughs> um, no. And in fact, I think sometimes candidates get a little obsessive about that. They work really hard to come up with an idea. They, they perfect their pitch. And if it's not chosen by the group, if it's sort of left by the wayside as another idea is, is put forward, they feel like, oh, no, um, I'm not going to get in, you know, because my idea wasn't chosen. And I, I think nothing could be further from the truth. This is all about how you behave and how you interact with the teammates. So I think, you know, to the extent that you can um, shift gears and, and recognize a great idea and, and build on it, offer some, you know, insights and help maybe even assemble different ideas from the group into a, a kind of um, meta idea. <laughs> um, I'm laughing just because of the name change to Facebook. But um, nice. in any event, I, I, feel like, I feel like there's an opportunity there and you don't need to, it does not have to be your idea that is chosen. Um, and in fact, you know, I've heard cases where if someone's like super staunch about their idea and kind of keeps insisting, that could actually, you know, backfire and result in a negative kind of review of your performance. So yeah, so don't hang on to your idea. Just present it well, but, you know, go with the flow. And I think similarly, Graham, because your idea was selected does not mean to say you're getting admitted to Wharton. So absolutely. So, so absolutely be conscious of, of um, making sure that you as a team can, can, can build from each other's ideas to create the, be- the best solution as a, as a result of each of your ideas. But, Graham, back to you. What other roles can a person play effectively in this environment? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I think, um, you know, we talk a lot about uh, the facilitator type role where, you know, you're actively listening to what everyone has to say and and trying to kind of 
um, keep the discussion flowing, uh, bringing in points that others have made to kind of, um, you know, sort of passing the baton along, making sure that like everyone is heard from. Uh, you know, if there's someone on your in your group that's sort of introverted and maybe not speaking up, but had some interesting ideas in their initial um, pitch, like make sure you're, you know, kind of asking that person to elaborate or, you know, or collaborate in, you know, perfecting this new idea. So I, I think there's that sort of a role. Um, you know, you have to be careful because there's also the, you know, kind of manager role, like, you know, sort of, um, there's a difference between like facilitating and, and helping ensure that, you know, everyone's heard from versus, you know, kind of dominating and being sort of bossy or, you know, jerky about, about things. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know, you know, it's tricky because you need to be prepared that, you know, that for the fact that you may encounter all different types of sort of personalities and, you know, some people might really feel like in order to get into Wharton, their idea has got to be selected and they're going to kind of, you know, muscle their way through the discussion and keep taking, you know, taking over the, the mic. And, and that's, you got to be careful and, and find ways to gently um, shift the conversation. And, you know, there's sort of, <laughs> um, you know, try to interject or even gently interrupt, but always be polite and try to create space, you know, for other voices. Um, so that that's, I think that's a really good role, um, you know, this sort of facilitating role. And it does also highlight, again, the importance of taking notes when each of the folks is doing their one minute pitch, right? In terms of making sure that you recognize the, the, the quality of each person's contribution so that if there is one of these folks who's not, you know, is a little bit shy and not actively engaging, you can directly draw them in by highlighting one of their good insights right. from that initial pitch, right? Yeah. So I think that then shows a lot of your own emotional intelligence, your own sort of whatever other attributes that we're always looking for in, in, in folks in, in a team building setting. Yeah, I agree. And the one thing I will say, though, as a kind of caveat to all these, you know, because we're making these points about um, spreading things around, keeping, you know, keeping everyone involved. I will say it's not your job to make everyone shine in this interview. Um, you know, you don't have to make the jerk uh, into a nice person and you don't have to make the shy person into a big time extrovert. Um, but just keeping, being mindful of these different things that might be happening in the group and, and doing little things to help will be noted. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that's definitely the case. And yeah, that, this is why, I mean, it's such an interesting exercise. Cause again, when I was on a learning team at Wharton, it wasn't like the professor was saying to us, do this assignment and only two of you in the group are going to advance to the next class. You know, it's not, that way it wasn't like that. Right. But here there's a little bit of that in play. Yeah. And so you have to be you know, mindful of that. I'm going to throw out another conundrum, Graham. What if there's potential for conflict, i.e. The, 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 the team or someone's sort of leading the discussion down a pathway that you disagree with? Um, I think this is a great opportunity to just, you know, present some constructive criticism. And I think the other thing, you're actually raising a really good point um, that's on my little list of general tips, which is you got to be mindful of the clock. You know, you only have about 35 minutes typically for these things. And, you know, the idea is that it's, it's not like the observer is constantly interjecting and saying, hey, guys, keep on track. You got to present to me at the end. You know, so you, you really need to be mindful of the clock. And so I think one thing that could happen if there's conflict is you could say, hey, um, I hear the two of you are kind of going back and forth. You both have interesting ideas. We probably need to just put this to a quick vote so that we can pick one and keep progressing and, and developing this idea to get it to the finish line. Um, so that, that would be my approach. I mean, obviously, if you're the one in the argument, you also need to just be mindful 
of the of the clock and and of the fact that you know you may not get your way and it might be be a, a kind of good move to actually say you know what I, I hear you um, you're clearly hearing me but we're not you know we haven't made a lot of progress here I'm happy to go with your idea let's just work on it and get it you know get get something um, you know that's as strong as possible that the group can agree on and, and push forward with so it it really is I mean it's an interesting test in this respect to see how people behave in these types of settings no absolutely absolutely the another interesting point that that you you've brought up in the past and this I think came directly from one of our interview reports mm-hmm. um, in our archive, is the real importance of being authentic. <laughs> yeah. um, and you gave some great examples where authenticity went out the window um, in this one um, um, candidate's experience. So I didn't, I didn't know if you wanted to describe that here. Yeah, I love that. So, so one of the things that happens is, you know, no one wants to be, um, everyone knows that in a team-based setting, like the school's kind of observing you and no one wants to be kind of a jerk or something, right? You know, everyone's on their best behavior. Um, and, and some of the problem that happens, one of our <laughs> reports in the interview archive, I think the person said something like, um, you know, everyone was bright and articulate, but there wasn't an ounce of authenticity because everyone was overdoing it. Like, you know, people would say, um, you know, I think we should take the caps off of our pens. And everyone would say, what a great idea. You know, like just, I mean, just too much, right? So like, um, so you have to be careful for that because, um, you know, the school is hoping that people will be authentic and that their personalities will show through. Um, but yeah, it's, it's challenging because obviously everyone is going to be on good behavior. And that's why I think this is a tricky exercise and it's probably hard for the school to really measure the true character of individuals. But anyway. Um, yeah, that's an interesting point. Yeah, I think you've given some some great um, feedback and advice here, Graham. I, I know you mentioned keep an eye on the clock. Um, maybe one of one of the roles that somebody takes is the timekeeper in terms of making sure everybody's on schedule. Are there any other sort of big picture tips that you would offer to be successful in this dynamic? Yeah, I guess the one thing I would say is, while you want to read the prompt that you've been given and, you know, spend a lot of, you know, spend some time thinking about it and preparing what you want to say, um, which we, you know, which we said, don't spend like 20 hours researching and writing up notes because your preparation is kind of just the appetizer, right? It's not the main course. Um, you know, you're, as we've said, like your idea may not be selected, um, you know, put some time into it, come prepared, but that's not the whole thing here. And so I think a lot of people are like, oh, wow, I, you know, I spent all this time, I have a great idea. And they kind of waltz in expecting that their idea is so great, it's going to be selected. And then they don't put a lot of time and effort into the actual discussion um, and working with the group. And that's really what's being measured here. So I just keep that in mind. Um, yeah, that's the big one. I'm going to offer the counterpoint to that, Graham, and just get your thought on this. The more you do prepare ahead of time, so you really understand the prompt and the, 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 the scope and, and, and everything else, the, the more you, will, you, you can actually recognize a great idea from somebody else. You can have those aha moments. So, so I, I do agree that, that the, the preparation is, 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 is only gets you so far, but it will make you much more lucid in that one minute pitch, but it'll also make you much more agile in terms of your ability to recognize other interesting insights from other folks to help drive that conversation in, in when, you're, when you're all coming up with that final idea. Um, do, does that make sense to you, Graham? Yeah, I think, I guess what I would want to say is that 
just because you prepare a ton doesn't mean you don't have work to do during the actual TBD. So that's Correct. more probably the point I was trying to make. Yeah. Um, and you make a really good point. There's no harm in spending a lot of time. And actually, one of the things I'm going to recommend people do for this year's TBD um, is take, there's actually a free um, uh, course online, one of the Wharton um, ARCs, which by the way, I did did a little more homework while we've been chatting here. And I, the, the acronym stands for alternate reality courses, right? So they immerse you in a situation, you're running a startup, whatever, and you, you know, you get real feedback and it's a, they're pretty cool. Um, but in any event, there's one of them that's actually free and it's only like a 90 minute class or, or simulation that you go through. So I would recommend like people do it. Like it, it can't hurt to actually experience one of these things up close before you try to design your own, right? So yeah. um, so absolutely, you know, do your homework, come in ready. I think that just makes a ridiculous amount of sense, Graham. Yeah. <laughs> do, you know, if it's, if it's free, if it's 90 minutes, absolutely, what a, what a great 90 minutes to spend in terms of your research. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about this prompt, although everybody listening should already know what the prompt is. Yeah, I mean, I'll just um, I'll just try to zip through the description in case people want it. Well, rather than going back to their notes, but effectively, this year's assignment reads: um, It says, a few weeks ago, Wharton announced the official launch of Wharton Interactive, a venture dedicated to transforming teaching through interactive games and simulations. Wharton Interactive has a unique team of interactive fiction writers, pedagogy experts, game designers, and programmers. This venture is the first major effort by any university to create a scalable and fully automated platform built on simulations, interactivity, and games with a foundation in the latest pedagogical research. Um, and then it goes on to say, the current offerings through Wharton Interactive are called Alternate Reality Courses, or ARCs, and ARCs combine aspects of simulations and games with class-based instruction and create engaging learning experiences based on interactive stories while providing personalized guidance as learners progress. In an ARC, learners make decisions just as they would in real life through simulated emails, Zoom calls, data analysis, presentations, and more. The ARC reacts to their choices, allowing learners to practice and build skills in a place where failure isn't critical so that they can transfer successes from the course to the real world. So then um, here comes the actual kind of task that you're gonna be um, responsible for in the TBD. It says, for the purpose of the TBD discussion, you and a few of your classmates have been invited by Wharton Interactive to be part of a team tasked with creating the next ARC course to be introduced into the MBA curriculum. And so as a team, you have to decide on the name of your course and the Wharton department in which it belongs. Um, you have to, uh, also give kind of an overview of the business problem and or scenario of the ARC game. Um, and then, you know, come up with a couple of learning objectives. So knowledge that you will gain in the ARC and then two practice objectives, which are specific experiences that you will encounter in the ARC so that when you see them in the real world, you'll know what to do. Um, so that's kind of the assignment. And yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's kind of a tall order, I think. I mean, it's going to be a lot of work, I feel like, because this is a new frontier um, for, for most people, I would think. I mean, you're actually, you've done some teaching, Alex, so you know a little bit about some of these simulations and, you know, kind of, um, yeah, virtual, I don't know what you call, you know, the whole domain of this stuff. But <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I'm in digital marketing, I'm using simulations that simulate pay-per-click advertising and social media advertising and stuff. So, mm -hmm. I, I mean, I'm starting to think about, well, that's sort of absolutely related to this. Then I'm thinking about, like you said, Facebook's changed its name to Matter in the Metaverse. And is Wharton creating a Metaverse? Is that what this is, Graham? It sounds like, <laughs> yeah. It's, but I mean, I, I do think this is quite a challenging, um, and I 
use that term quite loosely, but quite a challenging um, um, prompt. Um, yeah. Therefore, it will require, in my mind, quite a lot of research ahead of time just to feel comfortable with what Wharton's trying to do with this um, new initiative. It sounds absolutely fascinating, I have to say. Yeah. Um, but challenging for the students. Yeah, I, I think so. But I actually, I came up with like a, a kind of, uh, I don't know, like a checklist of things that you might want to do when looking at this specific TBD assignment. And I thought, you know, number one, get to know, you know, ARCs, like what are these things and how do they work? And, you know, the second thing to do would be take the sample um, ARC on the site. It's called Blue Sky Ventures. Again, it's like 60 to 90 minutes to play it because um, it is kind of like a game. It's a simulation. You know, you make decisions, things happen. Um, so I would do that. I would. The other thing that I wanted to mention, I think this is really critical. And one of the things that I quite like about this assignment is take inventory of your personal experiences and knowledge gaps because, you know, that might help you to think about what you need. And also um, when you're pitching to your team-based discussion partners, you might be able to kind of introduce a few tidbits about your background via this, you know, this, these knowledge gaps. You could say, you know, I work in this domain and, you know, this is something that I encountered that I just need, you know, would love to learn more about. Um, and it would be so amazing to be able to do it in a, you know, in a, an environment where failure doesn't mean <laughs> losing my job or something, right? So I think it does give each candidate the chance to think long and hard about what they've done with their career, where their knowledge gaps are, and what they would really want to learn. Um, so that's kind of a cool thing. Um, and then, you know, the other thing I had on my list was just think about what are the sorts of experiences or simulations that could teach you these gaps, you know, so you, you may identify, wow, I wish I'd known how to react in this thing. Um, but we'll, we'll get creative and start thinking about, well, what sort of a, if you were designing a game that were, were to try to teach people, um, something about that subject area, what would it look like? So that's, you know, th those are the main tips. I also did want to mention that don't be disappointed, obviously, if your course isn't the one that's selected, as we said earlier. So that's kind of something we've tackled already. But those are my main thoughts on this particular assignment for the TBD. Absolutely fantastic, Graham. I think you've, you've provided some really good, um, really good sort of perspective in terms of sending people along the way to start prepping for this um, team-based, uh, the virtual team-based um, discussion. As you've mentioned, there is a one-to-one -one interview opportunity. Um, sometimes I, I believe it's directly afterwards on, on the Zoom meeting, but sometimes it's a phone call afterwards to, you know, in terms of how they're managing it in, in their new virtual environment. Right. Um, a, a couple of um, tips for the one-to-one, -one, Graham? Yeah, you know, it's tricky because I think a lot of candidates um, love one-to-one -one interviews because it's a chance to, you know, they're normally used to having like 30 minutes or more um, in the admissions process to have an interview and share their background or, you know, do sort of a deep dive into some of their accomplishments. And, and that's not really what this is. And so I, I think you just need to go in with your eyes wide open that they're usually like 10 minutes long. Um, they often, you know, sort of are, they have some sort of general questions about, you know, what did you think of the TBD? They might ask you, like, what role did you think that you played? Um, you know, any anything that you thought could have gone better? Um, so some of it is really just kind of feedback on the experience. And that does give you a chance, um, you know, to sort of, if the TBD doesn't go very well, you could sort of add some color commentary. Um, I want to say without throwing anyone under the bus, ideally. So even if you had someone who was, you know, kind of dominating and, and not listening to others, 
just be gentle and um, and and sort of uh, I don't know what the word is uh, diplomatic in how you <laughs> discuss that. Um, but then the other piece that does sometimes happen is there might be a behavioral question or two, or there could be even a question about your you know your career plan or interest in Wharton, or they might ask obviously if you have any questions for them. So be ready for all that stuff. And we have an interview archive on our website with loads of examples of all these things and um, lots of ways to prepare. I think the, the hardest thing for most candidates is just that it's a very short discussion and it's not going to feel like, you know, your interview at many other schools, which is a real deep dive. So just be, you know, go in knowing that. Very good. Very good. Any final recommendations either for the team based discussion or for the one to one, Graham? Uh, no, I think I want to wish people the best of luck. Um, I want to thank our community for sharing the TBD with us so that we could kind of get on the air here and, you know, produce a quick episode. Um, hopefully this really helps people who are in the throes of, of prepping. And yeah, again, this is an unorthodox interview process, but, you know, I feel like if you've listened to this episode, you should go in, you know, with a lot more comfort and, and you know, and perform well. And so, yeah, just do your best. I think it'll be fine. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Graham. Absolutely fantastic feedback, fantastic insight, especially in terms of the dynamic of, of the actual TBD right. and sort of some of the tips in terms of how to react and respond and, and so on and so forth. Absolutely brilliant. Graham, I'll let you wrap things up. All right. Well, thanks for making time, Alex. And uh, yeah, everyone stay tuned for our usual Monday episodes of Wiretaps and, and lots more to come. But thanks for tuning in. And please remember to rate and review this podcast wherever you listen. Very good. Stay safe, everyone. Take care.